welcome back to our 106th episode of the Launcher Farm Show. Where I interview Jeremy Snyder, who runs the Snyder Family Group with his wife in Kansas City. In this episode, Jeremy and I talk about why farming gives you back more time, makes lead generation easier, and allows you to build more predictable income. Jeremy also shares how they leverage their community events to prospect and connect with their community without having to be pushy salespeople. Then we talk about what types of events that have worked incredibly well for them and how they've adapted over the years to stay relevant and continue to add value in their farming. And we share a super easy way to add events in your business that doesn't have to cost you a fortune, it still has a big impact in your community. And Jeremy shares how to partner with local businesses and vendors to help pay for the events so it doesn't have to drain your bank account. Plus, we talk about a ton of other ideas that you can use to grow your geographic farm. So be sure to check out this episode, like and subscribe, and enjoy the episode with Jeremy. Welcome back to another episode of the Launcher Farm Show. I'm your host, Ryan Smith, and today we've got a great guest. It's Jeremy Snyder. Jeremy is part of the owners of the Snyder Family Group with Keller Williams in Kansas City. So Jeremy, take a second, tell us a bit about yourself and why you're here. Oh, well, one of the reasons I'm, I'm here is uh, one of the main lead generation levers that my wife and I use in our real estate business is farming. And so, you know, just uh, found you a couple of years ago and watched a lot of your episode. We've had a, a chance to talk. We, we love farming. Uh, I've been in business uh, for five years. My wife, uh, she's been a realtor forever. Uh, she's been in uh, 25 years. Uh, and then I used to, I used to be in radio advertising uh, for about 20 years. Uh, we were married in it uh, five, six years ago. We thought, hey, it, it's time for me to join uh, her business. It's just me and her uh, and a transaction coordinator. Uh, we got in business together mainly because uh, we wanted to buy time. We wanted to travel more um, and, and not feel that we have to work, you know, 100 hours a week. Uh, you know, we're, it is our full-time career for both of us, and we do work hard, uh, but we're able to control our own schedules. Which is part of the one of the reasons I like farming, because it allows you to do that even at a higher level when you, when you do yeah. it, right? Because you can yeah, you be a lot more you specific bet. with your time. So let's dive into starting off with why did you get into farming and, and what was that kind of the beginnings look like for you guys? Well, we, uh, when we got in business together, you know, five years ago, we looked at what lead generation levers we, we wanted to do. Uh, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to take the past clients and sphere and put that to the second. Everybody said, okay, well, that's what we're going to focus on. We do focus on that. Then what's next? What are the other two? Because um, you'll hear you need to have three lead generation levers. And we uh, chose open houses and farming. And I think farming, because Kansas City, like any major metropolitan area, uh, it's pretty wide. And, you, and you, know, you see these realtors who talk about, oh, I work all over the city. I, I'll show you anything. And we decided we really wanted to narrow down uh, our focus for, for several reasons. One, uh, you get to know the area a lot better. Uh, and, and two, you're not spending a lot of time, you know, driving to the listing appointment. If it's, you know, in your same zip code, if it's in your same neighborhood, uh, and then it's easier to, to focus on uh, a smaller area. Uh, you know, what do they, what do they say? What you focus on expands. So yep. we focus on our neighborhood of a thousand homes, uh, and and it has done done very well for yeah, us. That's awesome. Yeah, and like you said, the, the time is a big part of it, and knowing that the market well, and you can know it better than anyone else because most people don't take the time to really learn the area. They just kind of be a 
jack of all trades. And I can give you an example, like my partner just last night was working on a, an offer with, on her listing and then out of town agent came in and she's like, well, she can use this comparable and this comparable. She's like, well, that's in this neighborhood and this is yeah. over here. And, and she said, well, have you even been in that house? I've been through this house. And when you can have that confidence because you've gone through it, you know, the inventory, you know, what's going on in the market. It can completely change how you do the business. And for you, obviously, when you narrowed down, were you afraid of losing business? Because that's where I find a lot of agents are afraid of farming because they think I'm going to miss out. There's, there's missed opportunities. Have you found that has affected your business overall? I think it's affected our business by making us the the local experts. Yeah, uh, we're, we're finding, um, you know, that typically when a house is listed in our neighborhood, it's going to be the agent that you know helped them buy it several yep. years ago. It's a referral, someone they know, or, or it'll be us, you know, the, the neighborhood expert. Uh, and it's, I don't think we're losing uh, any business. I mean, if some, my wife, uh, you know, early on in her career lived in a completely different side of Kansas City. So she still has business on that other side. So if someone calls and says, hey, uh, we're going to be moving, uh, you know, to Indianapolis or, hey, we're moving back from Oklahoma, we're not going to go, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. can't do business with you because you're not yeah. in our farm now. Yeah. Uh, but but we don't focus. We don't send mailers all over the city. Um, you know, we, we focus a lot of our marketing efforts uh, on our farm. Yep. And the great thing is, like you mentioned earlier, you have three pillars. And the nice thing with farming is you can layer those on top of each other. So as Correct. you do your farming, your sphere and past clients are in your farm, which yep. helps. And then the open houses, you hopefully are doing open houses in your farm too. So you're doubling up on your strategy, which will compound even more. So when you got started, what did you guys do in the beginning stages to kind of get in there and get involved? Because that's where a lot of agents struggle of taking that first step and then starting to see the results. So what was that kind of first year of, of farming looking like? For you? Um, you know, my, uh, let me go back a little bit and why my wife encouraged me to, uh, to come join her business. Uh, she had sat down with a coach. My wife's very introverted. I'm sure you can tell I'm very extroverted, very <laughs> gregarious and, and out there. Um, and her coach said, in order for your business to grow, you either have to start talking to strangers, uh, doing stranger calling activities, or hire somebody who will. Mm. And her light bulb went off. And went, oh, my <laughs> word. That's what my husband does all day long uh, with radio. So she brought me on board, mainly to do a lot of the lead generating, uh, a lot of the marketing. Uh, but I can do all the, in my opinion, all the fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and she has all contract negotiations and and tell clients, you know, oh, okay, we've got to fix this or your price is wrong here or I need you to do that. Um, so the first thing we did, because you've got two things, you got time and you've got money. And when we first got in, in it, uh, we had a lot of time because I didn't have a huge database yet. So we did uh, I did door knocking in the neighborhood um, and we did it around events. Yeah. I wasn't door knocking going, are oh, you thinking of selling your house? Uh, it would be something. And I actually brought some of my awesome. uh, samples here. Uh, hey, we're having a neighborhood coat drive this weekend. Side note, this coming weekend is our sixth annual uh, coat drive, but I'll be there a, if you happen to have any coats, we're going to be down there for at the park for an hour. Come on by. And they go, okay, we'll do that. Hey, by the way, do you uh, do you know anyone up and down your street who's looking to sell their home uh, here anytime soon? Uh, and then you get into a conversation, you know, whether it's, nope, or what well, as a matter of fact, 
and then you just take notes. Uh, and we did that. We did that for a while. You know, we had uh, we do an uh, annual cornhole tournament. Door knocked there. We uh, this is one of our newer ones, but it's a uh, uh, neighborhood candy caravan. So we've got awesome. We did door knocking a lot. We have a thousand homes, and uh, takes about forty hours to hit all all homes. That's awesome. I, well, I, I timed it. Once. There's a ton I want to dive into, and that's why I wanted to have you on here because you guys are, yeah. are really crushing it with the community events. And anyone who's watching has watched the show knows I'm a big believer in community events, and I think it's one yeah. of the best ways to cross promote cross over your strategies and use what I, I talk about the this, sure. this uh, strategy stacking. You can prospect, you can get out, you can meet people, you're connecting with people, you're adding value to people, you can bring in local businesses. There's so much you can do with it. So when you guys got started doing events, what was that? looking like at the beginning because again sometimes that first event is the most daunting scary thing to do and once people have done an event it kind of makes it a little bit easier so what what was that first sure. couple, couple events our very did? first event um which we got from our r&d department our rip off and duplicate department <laughs> from another agent uh in our office was a uh, paint can recycling event mm. here in in uh kansas city if you have old paint cans, you have to schedule an appointment with hazardous waste, drive to the other side of town, get in line. Um, and we thought this would be great. You could all bring it down to the park. We had a big old truck. We'll load it up and we'll do that for you. Um, you know, adding value to the neighborhood. Uh, and I sometimes think that, uh, uh, you know, God has a great sense of humor because that event was amazing as far as response, we collected well over 3,000 cans of wow. paint. I mean, we got down there an hour before it started, and some people had already brought stuff down. Uh, but that, uh, we haven't done it again. <laughs> it was, it was, I mean, it was so massive and so yeah. successful. Well, but And here now, you know, five, six years later, we still have people say, hey, I came to your paint recycling event. Are you doing the paint recycling mm. event? Uh, again, I had to go out and rent a second truck uh, that weekend. And we did it like at the end of the month. And that's when everyone moves. And I was afraid I was not going to be able to find a, uh, a truck or it was going to cost $2,000. Yeah. But yeah, that was the first event. Uh, and I did door knock. I door knocked every house uh, starting two weeks out. And uh, it is just, we, we've gone uh, continually doing that's, well with that's this awesome. community. That's awesome. So after that, what was, what, how did you shift into the next type of event then? And what was the events? Um, I should have kept a calendar of, of what we do. <laughs> I, I think it's it's looking at you know what we think you know the the folks in the neighborhood are going to enjoy. You know yeah. we're uh, you know we're single family homes. Uh, you know some are empty nesters, uh, so we, we try to look at uh, stuff that will appeal uh, to the masses. Yep. Um, you know, I'm trying to think uh, in any particular order. I'm, I'm looking through all my stuff here. Uh, you know, another event we've done is, uh, again, from our ripoff and duplicate uh, department, is our dumpsters and donations. This is an event. It's tied in with the neighborhood garage sale. Mm. Because when people do a garage sale, it's not because, well, I'm going to spend this weekend to make $175, you know. They just want to get rid of their stuff. And after yeah. the garage sale, they don't want to take it back in their house. Yeah. So we um, we partner with a, a local charity, and then we uh, rent a couple 
huge, uh, huge dumpster. You know, the first year we had a small truck for donations and we just hired one of our local uh, vendors that's a junk removal guy. Uh, and he had to make four trips back and wow. forth. Uh, and he told us, he said, yeah, you need to get uh, the big dumpsters. Mm. Uh, and we did that for a couple of years. And last year we had two dumpsters. Wow. Our neighbors have a lot of junk. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll bring the stuff in. The, the charity can choose. Uh, yeah, we'll take that bicycle. Yeah, we'll take those board games. Or they're like, yeah, no, no. And and they they trash it. Uh, and I know a lot of people are going, well, man, those dumpsters are expensive. I, I can't uh, afford. I'm just starting my business. Well, I've done a good job, I think, of, of partnering with local business owners in the farm. Yeah. So th- this isn't my title company. This is not my painter. This is not the, you know, these are people in the neighborhood that also yeah. want to be part of it. And then we get them. It's hard to see, you know, various, various sponsors. You yep. know, yes, there is a, a, a lender there, but he lives in the neighborhood. Yeah. And, and many of our events, you know, here's another one. We always, always have sponsored on most of the events. And I don't use that to make more money. Yeah. I, I look at that to help pay the cost. So if it's, you know, whatever the cost is, I divide that by five and I, I'm one of the sponsors. I get four more and we're going to do a equal share of, of cost there. That's awesome. And I think you mentioned it earlier and I think it's important to note is that you're doing things that the community would want and need. And that's a big, a big difference between a lot of the way agents have done farming in the past is it's ch- chest beating saying, I'm great at real estate. I'm awesome. Yeah. And when you shift to what does the community need? How can I serve the community? And that's what we, t- we talk about CPR, the community positioning relationships. Yep. When you put the community first, it becomes so much easier to find opportunities. Cause I I've had agents come to me all the time and say, I don't know what to do. There's nothing to do. I can't find anything. How do I market people? And I'm like, if you just think as how do I help the community, yep. the opportunities are, are endless. There's actually probably too many ideas. It's trying to find good ideas, but you have to shift that. And you guys have done an amazing job at really yep giving back to the community first and then by default getting transactions sure. as a result. Yeah. So I want to ask you what the, in, in the vein of that question is how do you guys parlay that? Because I know some people have struggles doing things in the community and then selling themselves or, or being present there. What do you guys do? Or what's the secret for you guys to do events and then tie it into, Hey, we also sell real estate. Well, there's um, consistency across all of the marketing we do. So we do our, uh, events, and I like you talking about probably too many events. And uh, every year I'm talking with my wife, and we always go, "Okay, is there anything we need to add?" <laughs> oh, you had a real cool idea. I saw a family yeah, yeah. reunion, uh, and sometimes we're like, "Yes," other times we're like, uh, "No." Uh, and we also talk about are there any events that that we need to cut out that we need to not do? Uh, you know, the paint recycling one was like that. That was uh, that was too insane. Some mm-hmm. based on some of the other things, um, but you know. Other marketing we do, uh, first of every month, uh, I send out a real estate activity report, which shows how many homes sold in, in our three neighborhoods, uh, what the average price was, what their days on market was. Um, I talk about the events in the email, uh, and then I'm always asking them there, hey, if you're thinking of selling your home uh, here in the near future, if you know anybody uh, thinking of selling their home in the near future, please reach us, reach out. That's uh, the first of uh, of every month i did set up a uh, youtube page nice. for our three neighborhoods because each neighborhood has their own yeah. uh, but i wanted one that we could all be in and we can all communicate various information uh, okay. and just keeping 
our name out there. Uh, open house. Uh, we will change our vacation plans for an open house in in the farm. Yeah. So uh, we like to do open houses, you know, around. But if it's in the farm, I, I call Thanks the priority. agent. Uh, if it's ours, hey, I, I'll do it Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Yep. If it's another agent, I'll say, hey, I see you have a home on Slater going live Thursday. Can I hold it open your first day? Because nice. some agents don't like open houses. Yeah. Most uh, other <laughs> agents are like, you bet. Yeah, I would love you to. Yeah. And, and so especially we, when it's uh, in your farm, this is why I would say, like, if you, even if you don't like doing open houses in your farm, you should be doing open houses. You can, like, make the executive decision and say, you know what, I'm not going to do much open houses outside of my farm, but open houses is one of those layers that just slices in beautifully into your overall plan you and can be leveraged in, in multiple ways. So that's huge. So I want to ask you then about piecing it together and making the decisions on what stays and what doesn't. Cause you mentioned you kind of nix some things and you add some things. What is kind of, if any, do you have a litmus test of saying, Hey, this is what we're keeping. This is what we're not. And how do you make that decision? Cause that can be difficult to, to, to cut things or add things. Yeah. We, we look at the calendar okay. and we go, okay, well, we've got a lot. Business is going to be busy at this time of year, mm. but we don't want to necessarily add uh, anything in to that. Um, and the litmus test is what, what kind of feedback mm. are we getting? And the feedback isn't, oh, that was a great event. Come talk to me. And let's sell, uh, sell my house. Um, you know, when COVID happened, uh, we added two events. One, um, we used to do a huge Cinco de Mayo party at our house. Well, when COVID happened, well, we can't do a potluck dinner anymore. Let's do a food truck event. Let's get a taco yeah. truck down at the neighborhood park. Uh, and it, it, COVID had been on long enough where people were like, okay, I, I <laughs> yeah. need to get out. Yeah. Uh, so we had a taco truck and, oh my word, oh my word. I mean, the community was going, I need to talk to people other than my family. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that worked well. Again, a lot of people go, well, that was pretty expensive, wasn't it? No, all I do, all my wife and I do is we arrange the food truck to be down at the park. Yeah. You buy for your family. They buy for their family. I buy for my family. The food truck industry had to pivot as well. Yep. All of a sudden, the offices aren't hiring us. So what, how can we do? Let's do these neighborhoods. And yeah. Uh, I mean, it's gotten now we have uh, four food trucks, a dessert truck, and a uh, beer truck at these events. And they all make plenty of money. You know, I, I always ask and all the marketing I do for the food truck, hey, let me know, you know, if you're coming and how many people so the food truck can have enough food. Right. So there's nothing like being in line for, you know, 40 minutes and you get up there and they go, oh, we're at a pool. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that that's worked well. Uh, we do a food truck event quarterly. Uh, some of them are tied in with some of our other events. Uh, you know, another event that came out of COVID was uh, with our candy caravan. Yeah, this is a back great one. then, I, we didn't know if traditional door-to-door trick-or-treating was going to happen. So we did uh, what we called the candy caravan. Uh, it was a great idea came out of a coaching session with, uh, with Paul Teller um, is, so you get a bunch of your neighbors with their cars, let's be down at the park, for a couple of weeks beforehand, encourage all your neighbors to help donate candy. We got 15,000 pieces of candy. Wow. 
the Saturday before Halloween, we had about 20 cars meet us at the park. We divvied out the candy. We had all of the kids. The first year we did it, we had all the kids go to the end of their driveway. And we snaked up and down every road in the neighborhood. Uh, the second and third year, you know, every neighborhood has their main drag. We had everyone come to Grant Drive. And so the parade goes up Grant. And we throw candy out. Then we turn around. And all the kids run to the other side. And we throw, <laughs> yeah. we throw candy out. And that... Wow. That's been received well. We probably get more comments on that because you're, you're you're doing something for the kids. Yeah, you, know, you do that's something huge. for someone's kids. They're, you know, they're going to love you. Yeah, um, and you're and not you're not supplying all the candy. You said the neighbors are helping support that and supply that, which is correct. Huge. That's and we that's we've huge. had some parents say the kids get more candy from the caravan than they do going door to door. Yeah, uh, which uh, um, and I, that's probably what what we know to what, what to keep. Uh, the only thing we've ever gotten rid of is, uh, well, yeah, we, we did get rid of the paint event. Uh, we did a hot chocolate event once, and that was just, it was just too cold. Yeah. You know, nobody wants to go stand outside and have hot chocolate when they can have hot chocolate in the warmth of their house. Makes sense. Yeah. So one of the things that I've seen a lot of agents struggle with is getting information and names from people at events. They okay. They have a hard time kind of collecting information or getting people to, to connect. Do you do anything specific to do that? Or are you just relying on the, the brand recognition and the consistency to, to no, uh, initially, uh, we bought a list and I'm, I don't know how good the list was. It was just the <laughs> list. <laughs> you know, uh, an AOL email of mine was on there that I haven't used in 25 <laughs> years. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, we the way we get data from people in the neighborhood, uh, we've done drawings. You know, we've got a lot of restaurants around us who so will do, oh, $50 to this restaurant, you know, $50 to that liquor store. Hey, you know, $100 to that restaurant. And we get people to sign up. Um, when I do open houses in the neighborhood, I have a sign in. And so I'll look at, I'll cross-reference their address. Oh, look, they live on a 116th Terrace. They live in the neighborhood. And I, I keep that in the farm uh, database um, with the Facebook page. Uh, you know, I ask for their address and the email yep. because just because I don't want people all over the world, you yep. know, being part of this group. So I need to, to verify and I, I get information that way. I'm sure there are plenty of email addresses and contact information I don't have. Um, all the mailers uh, often drive people to the uh, Facebook page. I think that's value. Yep. In that, oh, I can communicate with the neighborhood versus send me your email address. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And so, what are you doing real estate related? Other than you said you do a monthly uh, email that goes out, are you doing anything else real estate related, or are you is it more just community focused? Uh, are you talking specifically in the farm? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know the real estate stuff. Well, we do um, EDDM mailers. <laughs> um, and oftentimes, you know, sometimes they're real estate related. I'm going to bend over here real quick because I, I had one of these <laughs> and grab some of this stuff here. So from a real estate related, um, you know, we did this at the end of the year. These are all of the homes that are in the neighborhood that we uh, we help sell. Um, you know, we will do, you know, we're more than realtors. We're your neighbor. Mm. You know, there's some information there. Um, We've got this one. Just, are you moving soon? 
again, just some very generic uh, stuff. But a lot of the other mailers, this was our January one. These are all the events we did. Because what wow. we noticed, we had another similar one, uh, and we were seeing it on people's bulletin boards uh, or taped somewhere when we would go to their home. So this year, nice. we found a company, do a magnetic strip. They can stick it on their refrigerator. Yep. And I'm sure you saw sponsored neighborhood sponsors to help with the, with the cost yeah, that's great. Uh, of this. That's awesome. So I got to ask, because I'm sure people are thinking it, how the heck do you manage all this and take care of it? It's just you and your wife and a, and a deal secretary. How are you, how are you doing all this? Cause for some people, they have a hard time even doing just one event. Sure. What's the secret sauce? Because you, you put a lot into this and. Well, it's, it's, it's consistency. Uh, you know, the candy caravans uh, been going on for three years. We, uh, we do a neighborhood cornhole tournament, which was an idea I got from Kenny Klaus. I know he's been on your show before. Uh, when I saw him at Family Reunion uh, years ago, uh, you know, we do an art in the park uh, event. Uh, you know, once once you put it all together, uh, doing it again the next year is is not that hard. Yeah. Uh, you just here we go. For example. <laughs> Our event this weekend, the Coke Drive, we always do it the Saturday, the weekend before Super Bowl. So that helps us. Oh, this is coming up. Yep, yep. And we also have yard sign. Yeah. It says Saturday, two to three. Not there's not a date on there. Yeah. Uh, my son and I put these out last night. We put them in the yards, and Saturday at 305, I will be going out and picking them back up. So a lot of it is. You know, you got your playbook and you, you've set it. And, and again, all the events for the most part. Okay, we're going to have maybe a mailer. Uh, maybe we'll have yard signs. And you just, you, you, you change the copy and you you post it on social media. You take a look at the ones you did last year. And yeah. If you have a year on there, you, you change the year. Yeah, I think that's a great point because a lot of agents think that they have to reinvent the wheel every time they do it. And I think consistent events is better than a new event all the time. And some people are thinking like, I got to come up with new fresh things. And it's like, do something well. That's so well. Like I'd rather, I'd rather you one event yearly. That's just off, uh, off the charts and do it. And then you can do it over and over and over again. And then you go, okay, what worked from that? Do another one similar. And then it's that consistency. And like you said, you already have the materials. If you do it right, you did the signs where you don't have to keep reproducing them. The cost drives down every time. The time invested doesn't take as much time every time. And you can literally just create the plan up front. Obviously, you're going to tweak it as you go along. You might go, okay, hey, this worked. This didn't work. We have to adjust this for next time sure. we do it. But if you do it, it becomes a lot easier. And I think some people also put more time and energy into things than they should. And it's the uh, Parkinson's laws, the the work expands to the time allotted. If you That's if right. you let yourself take six months to plan an event, you're going to take six months to plan an event. And I know for us, when we moved down here, uh, my partner, Nikki, she we did a, com- a community garage sale last year and, yep. over the summer. And she was like, I don't know, I don't have enough time. Like, just get it out there. Just start it. Even if it is like half good, just get it out there. So then yep. she's like, okay, I'll, I'll take the challenge up. She went out and did it. And she's like, it was a massive success. But if she was waiting for it to be like perfect and plan this whole thing, it never would have happened. So it's like, sometimes you just got to get it out there and and get your feet wet with it and then go, okay, how do we make it better next year? How do we make it better? And I think you guys have done an amazing job at just staying on top of it, innovating, but also staying the consistency. And I think that is 
one of the hardest things to do because a lot of people want to just keep coming up with new ideas, but they have a hard time staying consistent. So how yeah. do you stay consistent? Because that's how, how do you say, okay, this is how much and how much time I'm doing and how, how do you keep on track? Well, I, you know, we always do a, a postmortem uh, with every event saying, okay, you know, what was good about the event? What was bad yep. uh, about the event? Uh, what do we, you know, need to change? What do we need to not do? For example, our uh, cornhole tournament, you know, we tie that. We used to do it as an individual event in the neighborhood. Then we uh, approached the HOA and said, hey, you do a big Oktoberfest uh, where everyone comes down and it's potluck at that time. How about if we do this, you know, to the side and just make this event massive? Uh, and, and they were on board with that. Um, you know, the first several years, I hired uh, a company to run the tournament. Mm. They brought all of the equipment. They brought all of the board and all the bag. Uh, and they kept all the scoring. And last year, I'm watching and going, this guy brings all the equipment and sits there in a chair with a phone, you know, and keeping score. The people come up and score that. We can do that. Yeah. Um, and so we did it. And what we did, we took it to a next level. I reached out to a lot of the business owners I know in the neighborhood and said, hey, we're, we're doing our tournament. Would you like to be a sponsor? And for that, you get your own set of custom cornhole board, your own set of custom cornhole bags that are going to be there, you know, for the next several years. Uh, a good good thing for us. And then the uh, the veterinarian who's a sponsor, he's responsible for scoring mm. the boards and the bags. And he can use them uh, as he wants. And then he can bring them back next year. Uh, I hired my nephew, who is a, a CPA, to uh, keep score. Uh, what we found was interesting. There were 31 teams who signed up. So running a 31 team double elimination tournament <laughs> can be challenging. <laughs> but the prize was bragging rights and a $30 ceramic garden note. <laughs> so That's awesome. If anybody would really get in, you know, upset for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. You know, I could sit them down and go, come on. Yeah. This is a neighborhood event. Yeah. Where it's all ages. So you're a grown man playing against a seven-year-old girl. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have fun. Yeah. Have fun. So well, we, we learn things uh, every, yeah. every year. Like next, I had someone this year say, hey, can we use our own bags? I'm like, sure, I, I don't care. Well, I understand that some bags are a lot better than other bags. So mm -hmm. next year, no, you all have to use the bags supplied. So just figuring figuring things okay. out. And I think you've, like you said, you've done a great job at leveraging the businesses as well that are in the community to be part of that, and that helps offset a lot of the costs. Because for some people, it, it is cost prohibitive to run a. a fair size event up front and you may not see the return right away. If you can partner with those local businesses, you can drive that down, but then also get the support. And I think that's a big part that a lot of people miss is that they think they got to do the event all themselves and then go, I got to promote this all myself. I got to get there. When you not only get businesses involved, they're going to reach out to their audience. They're going to put flyers up yep. in their businesses. They're going to tell their friends and family. They're going to, and it then gets the word out there a lot quicker. So what have you done to leverage those relationships to enhance the, the, the reach in your audience or in your farm? 
Uh, well, you know, with, with the mailers, for example, you know, if they have, I know it's hard to see with the light, you know, I will take a stack to, you know, the, the roofer guy. Mm. And he can do what, what he wants to uh, with them. I will tag them on uh, social media. Uh, we also, uh, a financial planner and I, uh, two years ago, started putting together a uh, once a month uh, neighborhood breakfast for mm. business owners. Um, again, getting together and connecting business owner with business owner and hoping they can, can grow, uh, grow that way. Um, awesome. You know, Thanks. looking for ways to, to leverage more. I think just being a constant presence. Uh, you know, one of our sponsors, a good friend of mine, a, an attorney in the neighborhood, and just uh, being present. Uh, he's referred uh, a good friend of his. They bought a house. They then referred uh, their mother mm-hmm. who sold her house and bought a house. So it's just, you know, continually uh, adding value and letting people know that you're, you're a realtor. That's awesome. So one of the things I find that a lot of agents struggle with is the temptation to jump out of the farm and expand far too early. They haven't got good reach. Where Where's your thoughts on that? And, and what's your plans going forward? Or Because uh, obviously you guys keep doubling down. And have you considered going, okay, we kind of tapped out and we want to expand? Or are you just going to go, hey, we're going to keep doubling down? Well, yeah, it's very interesting you bring that up because, uh, you know, I was talking, uh, you know, with a, with a big mega agent. Uh, at Mega Camp recently, and I asked that same question uh, for from an EDDM standpoint. If yeah. anyone that really want to get into farming, look into EDDM. Every door direct mail is a very inexpensive way to get mailers out to get your message uh, out. Uh, I was asking, do we add uh, you know additional carrier routes? Yeah, you know uh, we'd have to tweak it a little bit. You know make them a little more like this, a little more generic and, and not, not neighborhood only uh, yep. events. Um, and we have decided not to uh, add that expense. We have decided not to add more events in the neighborhood. Then it becomes, oh, good heavens. Uh, right. Another thing, right. uh, we just want to take our events uh, and, and make them better, make them things that uh, are encouraging. I think with our food truck events, you know, that gets people down there because they yeah. come eat and leave. Yep. They can come get their food and stay. Yep. Uh, you know, we have banners. We have a red uh, tent that people, you know, people know it's us. I also drive uh, a yellow Tesla, which is parked in a prominent place with my name on it. Um, and so people know, oh, that's the obnoxious realtor. So if anyone has any interest in talking real estate, they can do that. They can come get our business card. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We, we thought about growing, but no, I mean, even, you know, a a mile or two away, they're not going to know us. uh, And it's going to be hard to uh, build the attention we built uh, here in our neighborhood. That's the perfect answer because that's what I was hoping to hear because a lot of agents do that. They they get the fear of missing out. They, they're afraid of doing that. And then they get even the slightest bit of success in their farm and they go, well, I'm going to duplicate this over here. And instead of doubling down or tenfold into their yeah. farm, they spread themselves out. Then they are trying to manage different things. They're, tr- they're spreading up their expenses. They're not having the same reach. And like 
there's room to grow always, not always in your farm, but you should always yeah. be pushing it until you get to the point where it's like, okay, this isn't making any more sense. And then like you said, it's, then how do we make it better? You don't have to do more stuff, but how do you make the stuff that you're doing better? Sure. Is it better quality copies? Is it better events? Is it better bringing more value? And is it getting better sponsors? And then you can always kind of be fine tuning it, but so many people are afraid of missing out. And you guys are, are living proof, like with a thousand homes, like that's uh, the, the number one question I get asked is how many homes should I farm? And they're always trying to like, go, oh, can I, can I do maybe 4,000 or 5,000? It's like, start with 500 or a thousand. Like there's yeah. plenty of business in that area. If you choose the right type of farm, the right, the right setup for you, what you're looking for. It's like, there's plenty of business for you to have, but you have to be willing to put the time in. And I find that agents are, they get wandering eyes for another farm or another expansion. It's like, there's, there's plenty of business there for you. And you guys have yeah. really proven that. And I think we all know people that, no, I, I am not planning to move. I'm going to be in this house for 10 years. Yeah. Um, but things change. Yeah. All of a sudden the company goes, Hey, we're shutting the Kansas city operation down. We'd like to move you to Indianapolis. Oh, okay. I had a plan to move. I guess I either need to find a new job or sell my house and, and find a new thing. So people might get my mailers today and toss them. Uh, but when, when there's a need, you know, I go back to my radio days. I mean, you listen to the radio and you hear all these car dealer commercials and they're all so obnoxious <laughs> and you just turn the station until you're in the market for a car. Yeah. And then you go, Oh, Ooh, what's that offer? What's that offer? And, and then you listen, yeah. you know, which is why, you know, a lot of advertisers advertise all the time yeah. because you don't know at what point someone's going to be in the market. And in different channels too. And this is what you guys have done well is it's not just one pillar of, it's not right. just postcards. It's not just community events. It's not just door knocking. It's not, it's when I, I teach strategy stacking, it's you don't know how you're going to reach people and when you're going to reach people. So you have to reach people in multiple ways because uh, person A in the house may respond to a postcard person B may respond to a community event and person C may respond to a cold call and you yeah. don't know how you're going to connect with them. So you have to be doing more than one strategy. Uh, the other thing I think that's important, like you said, is that you don't know when they're going to move. And so you're investing in the relationship long-term. And this is why I always say I'd rather have four years to build a relationship than four weeks. And if yeah. you go with, I won't say any names of trainers, but old school trainers, if they're not moving in four weeks, just get rid of them, get the lead on to the next lead. <laughs> and it's like, man, there's so much opportunity if you're willing to connect and create value for people. And I'd, five years from now, if I've been the one who they've seen, I'm the one who they've heard from, I'm the one they've connected with, yeah. I'm the one they got value from. When they make the decision, it's like the decision's already made. Versus sure. if I just got a cold call, now you got to sell yourself as to why you're the right person. And that's like you guys, you're playing the longer long game and you know that when the time is right, you'll, you'll find those people. You and connect with them. You that's, that's huge. Sure. So if you were to give our viewers one last piece of advice, what would you tell them if they're thinking about getting involved in doing some community events in their, in their farm? What's one last piece of advice you'd share? I think uh, consistency is, is key. If you are looking uh, at, at farming and you're going to have, you know, mailers be, be part of that. Uh, you know, look at EDDM uh, and, and look at your routes. You know, mm -hmm. our three neighborhoods have three routes and one of those routes also covers an entire apartment community and a neighborhood on the other side of the highway. <laughs> uh, and so these people on the other side of the highway are getting the neighborhood events. That's not my neighborhood. Yeah. But we, we've done the math. Well, what if we only mailed to our neighborhood in that third carrier route. 
Um, and uh, the math is still better, uh, yeah. just continuing to do uh, EDDM. Uh, and yeah, start, start small. Uh, you know, as you said, heck, if it's, you know, 200 homes, you know, just be consistent, you know, door knock consistent. It's a very inexpensive way uh, to, to get out there uh, and lo- love on your community. That's great. Great advice. And truer words haven't been spoken because that is, that's the key. Just consistency is super important yeah. and let's do it. Uh, we always wrap up with a last book. So what's one book that you'd recommend that, uh, that has been an impact on your life or you think would have an impact on? Oh, you're going to, you're going to love this. So, you know, I spent 23 years in, in radio, uh, a lot of that in rock radio. Uh, and so when I was in that business, there was a book I got turned on to called brand nice. like a rock star. And it, it, I don't know. Have you ever heard of this? No. Oh, okay. You're nodding your head there. So it's by a guy named Steve Jones. Okay. And, and he'll highlight, you know, particular rock bands and talks about their uh, uniqueness and how uh, they become very successful. Uh, for example, he talks about the band Kiss. Everyone knows Kiss. Yeah. Are they that good of a band? Are they any better than any other uh, rock band after? No but they're different. Yeah. And because they're different, that has helped make them very successful. Yeah. He also talks about ACDC. We all know ACDC. Can you name a love song that ACDC no, has? No, because no, they don't have love songs. Yeah. All of their music is hard rock in your face and they deliver that to their consumers, to, to the music fan time and time again. So if uh, I look at agents a lot and go, this is perfect with farming. Oh, I work all over Kansas City. (laughs) I serve Overland Park and Liberty and Lee Summit and Lawrence. Oh, I also do commercial real estate. (laughs) You're all over. You know, people know me. Uh, Even in my office, they go, oh, you're, uh, you do a lot in Shannon Valley and Indian Creek Estates, don't you? I don't market to the people in my office, you know, for the neighborhood, but yes. You know, that is uh, kind of how, how we're known uh, and it's, wor- it's worked well for us. But no, it's great. It's a great book. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, yeah. Brand like a rock star. I like that. That's awesome. So how can our viewers check out what you're up to, connect with you and find out more about what you're doing? Well, I think like a lot. Um, I always like a text, you know, uh, start off with a text. Uh, yep. You know, my number, I'm sure will be in the will be in the show notes. Yep. Uh, and the reason I say that is because I, I could call them back. I get so many phone calls, like I'm sure we do, uh, you know, from, from spammers. And once you answer it, then you're in some algorithm and they, <laughs> and they keep calling. Uh, you know, you can go to my, uh, my YouTube channel, you know, youtube.com slash uh, Kansas City Real Estate. Uh, you know, we, we do some stuff there uh, or email you know, Jeremy at sellwithsnyder.com. Like sell your house, not like a cell phone. <laughs> Jeremy at sellwithsnyder. Dot com. And I've had people reach out to me asking, you know, farming questions. I, I, I'm open to that. If anyone knows anyone moving from Kansas City to their market and they need to sell their house here, we'd love we'd love to talk to them. Uh, yeah, all sorts of ways. To, and you know, your your number is well, just so people listen to the, if they're listening to the podcast and they don't have it. Oh, 913-244-4424. 
That's good. Lots of lots of twos and fours. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Awesome. Excellent. Well, Jeremy, I really appreciate being on the show and sharing your insights and your experience with our audience. And I know that if they even take a fraction of the, some of the things we talked about and put in the yeah. business, they will see success. So thank you for sharing that with us You're and welcome. sharing with me too. And I always love to to learn what people are doing. So thank you for that. And uh, I'm excited to hear wh- where your where your business goes in the future as well. That'd be great. We'll we'll stay in uh, contact. Awesome. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Thanks for checking out today's episode. If you'd like more videos like this, be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out our Facebook page and our other social media channels. Looking forward to bringing you more great content like this and happy farming.